Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am really excited because this weekend, a group of women who never thought they would actually become runners are doing their first 5K. This is our Running Start nonprofit. So we help women who have barriers, and I mean like serious barriers, who have found themselves at a point in life where they feel stuck. And we give them all the tools and support they need to transform their lives through running. So 24 of these women are graduating this weekend and joining a new community with new identities, runners. Yes, some are walking but they're still joining this new community of people who value their health and fitness. Um, If you're local, come out to the Rodell Vanilla Day 5K in Fort Collins on Saturday, September 29th at 9 a.m. It's not too early. And uh, I guess there's a ton of vanilla going on afterward too, which just sounds totally awesome. Uh, I don't drink, but somebody did mention even vanilla beer. So hey, bring it on. So at our pre-race meeting last weekend for Running Start for these beginners, I shared to them that this whole process is about discovering a new part of yourself that generates strength and courage when you most need it, when you're feeling the lowest. And it hit me the other day, this concept hit me when my daughter, who is six, was demanding something, and I thought about how her universe revolves 100% around her as if she's the sun and I'm a planet, or maybe I'm just a moon rolling around a planet, rolling around her. And then I thought about how we frown on this as adults, and we call it selfish and self-centered, which maybe at six it is. But as we get older, I do think there's validity in this concept Um, because something shifts. And at some point, many of us find one day, sort of find ourselves circling around a different sun, like we're just a planet that's there to please someone else's sun. And we stop making ourselves the center of our universe and we lose part of ourselves along the way. And that's where so many women find themselves when they hit send on that running start application. And This is where today's guest found herself when she did exactly that a year and a half ago. Uh, Beth Shields woke up one day and realized she needed to commit to herself or she would not be here much longer. She had been down a path of self-neglect for too long. So she hit send on the Running Start application and showed up to the first meeting last year, last, I think, February. And when I say showed up, she barely showed up because as she's going to mention in this episode, she sat in the car for 20 minutes trying to think about why she shouldn't walk in the door. We often say that showing up is the hardest part, 
but I'm not sure I fully subscribe to that philosophy. I believe it's important and it's obviously the first step, but you can't just show up once and not put the effort in. You need to keep going. You need to shift your mindset, tell yourself you can do what you want to do, and then you need to follow through again and again and again. So yeah, show up, but there are steps two, three, four, five, six. It keeps going. So today, Beth Shields is just a year from her first 5K, and she has the special magic quality about her. She is so much more of an inspiration for other women than she will ever let herself take credit for. She is so humble. Her journey, her health journey is far from over. Uh, she recognizes that and, and wants to prescribe to this um, tactic that it takes time, determination, and constant reminders that self-love must must be at the forefront. So... She's really moving. That's the key. And she has momentum on her side. And it's affecting positively not only her personal life, but also her career. So when one thing starts to shift, oftentimes everything follows. Beth has become the biggest single sponsor that Running Start has ever had in her commitment to give back to the program that helped change the trajectory of her life which is so cool. So let me say that if you are looking to buy or sell a house in Colorado, because that's what she does, call Beth Shields because she is giving Running Start $500 for every closing so that other women can find courage to change their lives too. And in fact, when we finished this uh, interview, she said, yeah, I got to go get ready for a closing tomorrow. She's um, up to 3000 bucks this year, and it uh, looks like she's got at least five more closings, so we're going to be rolling in it, and we're going to need to grow this program next year just because of Beth's support. All right, all right. I think it's time to bring her on. <laughs> I'll behave because I know my kids will listen, so... Um. <laughs> Definitely. You need to behave. Um, No, you don't need to behave that much. Uh, We do actually have a somewhat explicit podcast because sometimes the, uh, you know, curse words do come out. (laughs) Because the stuff we talk about is sometimes tough and emotional and all that. And your story is no different than many others who have had to tap into those deep, dark places. Mm -hmm. So, Beth, the reason you're here is because we met... A year and a half ago? Was it just yeah. a year and a half ago? Yeah, <gasps> it was. Oh my gosh. Sitting sitting in the corner, and I noticed you picked kind of like a corner <laughs> off to the side, at Skirt Sports for the Running Start kickoff meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about what Running Start is so people know what the program was to get a sense for why you were there. Great. Okay, so Running Start is um, is a nonprofit that I created a couple years ago, but we've been running it as this cool cause marketing program at Skirt Sports for almost eight years, I think. Um, but we realized there was so much power in it that we wanted to give it its own life. So we turned it into a nonprofit, and we were able to grow it. So what Running Start does is it helps women with, here's the important part, with barriers to fitness um, change their lives through running. And, and barriers to fitness really means life barriers. Like at some point you got stuck. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's hard sometimes when you're in a place like that to see that there might be a way out. So here you are sitting at Skirt Sports (laughs) having applied for this program and we accepted you. So tell me, why were you there? Um, You know, I had a friend who um, had uh, invited me to this running group and there was no way I was going to show up to a running group. Um, And then I kind of applied to the Running Start program kind of on a whim of, you know, you start your diet fad, you start your fitness fad and you never follow through. Um, But I knew that I was at a point where I had to make a change and it had to be a big change. Um, so as I've shared before, I walked in there, um, weighing 395 pounds. Wow. And, um, I chose the corner (laughs) because it was the safest place. Um, and I just listened that day and, um, you know, so the, the biggest reason was that I knew I had to change something. I had to change my life. You mentioned the word safe, safest place. Like why... Were you afraid? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You look around, um, women can be some of the, as I found out, most supportive group of people. They also can be some of the meanest and most hurtful group of people. Um, And so I knew that if I sat way in the back where maybe I could blend in with your clothing or something, (laughs) um, that it'd be safe back there. So, um, yeah. And so, so... You okay? So you hit send on the original application I because did. you knew you were in a place where you had to make a change. But why did you have to make a change? A lot of people don't make a change at that point. Um, I had seen um, my sister, um, my sister-in-law, who recently passed, um, and I had seen her life, um, and I knew that I was destined for the same thing. Had she reached a point? Was was she living an unhealthy life? Oh, absolutely. She was heavier than I was. Oh wow. Um, so what hap- Like what happened in her life to that allowed her to reach that point and not make the change? She did. She had lost a lot of weight, and we were very proud of her. Um, but she regained all of the weight back and more, um, and her heart failed, and. You know, so. <laughs> and you knew there was too much at stake. I have seven kids. I have seven kids to live for. What's funny is in my notes, I was like, you have six kids. And then <laughs> now I'm realizing I was wrong. You even have more than that. Kids give you a deeper purpose, don't they? Absolutely. So let's go back in time a little bit. Like, have you always been on the heavy side growing up? Um, no, you know, I always, you know, society tells us we're heavy at a very early age. Mm. Um, but looking back at pictures and seeing, you know, I was not heavy. I was just, I've always been a very muscular person, very strong, had very strong legs, played soccer, played tennis. I played a lot of sports. I was very active. Um, I, uh, was sexually assaulted when I was 19. Um, and although I did press charges, um, I still carried a lot of shame for that. Um, and I carried that into, um, sorry, uh, my adulthood, um, and kind of buried myself in motherhood. Um, and so, 
Oh, this is like a counseling session, I know. <laughs> it's really, and we can pause at any time, Beth, because these are huge things. I actually, um, of course, had no idea about, oh. you know, that you had been sexually assaulted. It's not something you wear on your sleeve, but it creates scars. I'm Absolutely. so sorry. Absolutely. Oh. And at 19 years old, where you're at a point in your life where you're developing your foundations of trust. Yeah. And so, you know, we just, I didn't have a lot of support. Um, so I met my husband about a year later. And we got married. Um, and, you know, he just loved me and supported me. Um, and then we started having kids and that became who I became. That became my identity. And it became very easy to kind of bury yourself in it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you you kind of moved on in your life, but you didn't heal this, you know, absolutely. tragic situation that has created what you said was shame. You yes. carry shame. Like, why do we have to carry shame for something brutally fucked up that happens to us you know absolutely. absolutely why 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 does that happen why do we feel like we're to blame i feel like society back then was not as you know there's the whole movement now where women are saying you know this is not okay but i think 20 years ago society didn't talk about it and it was pretty much just you know nobody talked about it in my family nobody discussed it there was um, almost like it was hidden. Um, so when it happened, I mean, did you go home and say, like, I was raped? Um, I had called my cousin and talked to her. Someone you trusted or felt too I really, embarrassing yeah. to tell your parents or, yeah. yeah. And she in turn called other people. And the, before I knew it, the situation spiraled. Um, but, um, you know, I, I knew what I needed to do. Um, you know, unfortunately it was somebody I knew and it was, um, you know, and he pled guilty, um, to a lesser charge and we moved on, you know? Um, but I think that I carried a lot of that shame and a lot of that, um, guilt, which I shouldn't have been carrying. Um, and, uh, and so in, in becoming a mother, I just kind of, that became who I was and that became, everything I did. I mean, I poured my heart and my soul into my kids. So how how long ago was all of this? Like when did you you got married at 20 or 21? I did. I did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like you're still with the same dude? I am. We have seven kids <laughs> together. Um our oldest is 19 and our youngest is 4. So. Wow. So 20 years ago you get pregnant yep. and you start having kids. Um and I uh, totally understand the idea of your identity getting completely wrapped up in your children. Absolutely. I have one, and I suddenly feel like that's most of my identity now. <laughs> you know, you have seven, and they're starting to reach adulthood. So Absolutely. they're now starting to peel off the top side of the equation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so you, so health wise and physically, like this is kind of how you hit running start, right? Or yes. was it more of an emotional and physical need tied together? Um, I think that physically, um, I mean, I, when I walked in there, I couldn't even walk a quarter of a mile. I mean, my personal, my motivator, she walked a quarter of a mile and then we turned around and came back and 
it hurt my back, it hurt my legs, it hurt my knee. Um, and I was embarrassed that everybody else had kept going and you and her both were amazing and encouraging and like, just, you know, just do what you can. And that's what I did. Well, you know, you talk about a motivator. So one of the special parts of the running start program is that we have all these women who are scared to death because they actually like got accepted into the program that they thought <laughs> they wanted to do and now they're like shit now i'm on the hook i gotta do a 5k but um but what we do is we pair you with another woman who kind of holds your hand along the way we call her a personal motivator and you earlier mentioned like you know women can be either your biggest supporters or your harshest critics absolutely and in this case i mean and we don't take personal motivators who are harsh critics but um in this case she ended up being a great lifeline for you right oh she's still to this day one of my greatest friends so who is it let's give yeah. her some props. her name is lisa Tannehill, and she is amazing she's just you know i, I can't say enough about her just her encouragement and her support and um she was there when i was you know sick and had a horrible cold and couldn't walk for you know two weeks and she just kept encouraging me and mm -hmm. um she's just amazing she's amazing you know and lisa if you're listening you have a really good track record <laughs> i cannot lose you in this program she is really popping out winners here and uh, so, Beth, you uh, you took those first steps. That's the number one thing. Absolutely. A lot of people see the door of the first meeting, and the idea of change sounded good, but they turn around, they can't go in. I so sat in the car for 20 minutes before I went in there. Oh, really? Yeah. I sat in the car outside and watched people go inside, and I was like, I can't do this. And... Um, I was petrified to go in and when I like was, you know, looking at Facebook and, you know, fiddling around, um, I saw a picture of my kids and that was the reason. Oh my head. gosh. Okay. So you start, you get married in like a 18 year span here is what we're talking about yeah. from when, you know, you're something happened where you lost track of yourself and Absolutely. we're talking about it kind of as like it's the weight issue is sort of like that's kind of the overriding result maybe of losing yourself in the process but how did that happen you know so some people are listening who are like maybe part way down the slope is it a slippery slope absolutely once you've gained 30 pounds or 50 pounds or 100 pounds um it's it seems like an insurmountable way to get back mm. i mean i've had horrible treatment by doctors i had a doctor told me that i could not eat for a year and still not die what? i mean yeah it just you know horrible things said to you the judgment from other women the condemnation that you're not good enough you know oh um, and it just it um it, it like just it's, feeds yeah everything you know of i am not good enough it fed the pre-existing thoughts that i went into adulthood with um and so it kind of became a very slippery slope that was just very hard to climb back out of and so at certain points in your journey had you considered like fitness programs or oh, life absolutely. changes absolutely but did i ever do them no weight loss programs because 
I would find out I would be pregnant again. And I would eat very, very well. I mean, I was the most exceptional eater and I took such good care of myself every time I was pregnant. But then as soon as it was over, I would not walk. I would not eat correctly. I would not feed my body what it needed. Um, And it just became, you know, it was this weird thing where you took care of the baby, but you didn't take care of yourself. And then I've started to realize that now I have to take care of myself so that I can be there for my family. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, I do remember this um, because I need to work on self-care too because I just go, go, go. When I was pregnant was the last time I had regular massage, regular acupuncture. I took naps. I took a bath every day you know it was like this um, and i thought about what i ate and there were no pesticides and no whatever (laughs) the baby came and she got the no pesticide food and i started eating the regular food again why do we do that because you're taking care of a baby that's inside your body but when the baby comes out you it, it was like you were looking at yourself only as a vessel yeah wow absolutely that sucks, but I get it. <laughs> and so many women are like nodding their heads in agreement because they totally understand. So when baby comes out, it's all about baby. And then another baby, baby, and then suddenly there's seven. They're yes. not all babies at the same time though. No, no, they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here I have met your family. Um, nicest people in the world. Your oh, kids are so polite. Like, do you have like an iron fist at home? <laughs> Maybe we should be doing like a a parenting workshop right now because I looked at your kids and I was like, I want I want some of that. Oh well, that's very sweet. You know, we do we run a very um, we we teach our kids a lot of respect um, and our faith um, overrides a lot. Um, but you know, again, we've we've also suffered a lot of persecution and judgment for the way that we choose to raise our family and the that we have seven kids and you know, so there's been you know, throughout your life I've just found that no matter what you do, people are going to judge you. People are going to have comments, people are going to say things. Um and what I've kind of found over the past year and a half is that you know, when I go and I walk um in a gym, there's going to be the people who stand there and judge and shake their head and roll their eyes. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm still going to be there doing this when they've decided to give up and then they move on, you know? So, um, and that, that's a mindset shift. Absolutely. Right there. Absolutely. So you talk about respect. How do you teach your kids respect when you you know, admitted that you lost some self-respect. I mean, we didn't say that out loud, but I'm assuming that because you let yourself kind of, you forgot about yourself. You stopped taking care of yourself. So how do you teach your kids respect? Um, I think for us, it was always, um, we respect authority. We respect those in charge of us, placed ahead of us. Um, A lot of it has to do with our faith um, and that uh, my husband and I are the heads of the household. And so they do owe us respect, but we also owe them respect. So there's very open communication with our kids. Um, We have very, like I have a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old boy and a a 14-year-old son. And we have very frank conversations with our kids about sex, about life, about boyfriends and girlfriends and intentions and where they want to go with their lives, drugs, alcohol. Like there's nothing off the table in our home. 
Um, and you know, just last night at like 1130 at night, my 19 year old daughter came and climbed in bed with us and lay there and talked to us about how she wants to make some changes in her life and how she wants to, she wants to become a social worker. We knew this, but we didn't realize the path that she wanted to take. And so it's that openness that she respects us and our viewpoints well enough that she would come to us and seek us out at 11 or 11.30 at night to talk to us for almost an hour when I'm like, it's bedtime. <laughs> I got to be up for a podcast. Come on. Um, that but- is amazing. That's what I want from my daughter. I want her to climb in bed with us and like share her dreams. Absolutely. You created that open door and allowed her to be vulnerable and not judged by you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, how did you do that though? Like I'm I- telling you, it is it is time. Mm. You spend time with your kids. I know in this fast-paced world, it is so easy to get caught up in everything. Um and for us having seven kids and I run my own business and my husband works in the oil field, it's very easy for us to get caught up in our phones and our work and our lives. Um, but for us, our first priority has always been our family. Um, it's our faith, our family, and then everything else from there. Well, we're gonna get to faith, but let's keep on family for a minute. So. How did you meet your husband? What's his name? His name's Rich. And, Hello, Rich. Um, <laughs> we met, so I was working as a shift supervisor at Starbucks. Um, it was the first Starbucks opened in Colorado way back in the ni- late 90s. It was 98, I think. Um, and he came in and got some coffee with a friend. And he asked somebody there, you know, hey, can I have a, I don't remember what it was. And he didn't say, please. And I turned around and I said, where's your please? I wasn't ah. even flirting. I was being really mean. <laughs> and he came back for more, I guess. <laughs> wow. He thought I need some of this discipline. <laughs> uh, he's he's a great guy. He so really is. Were you raised to, you know, have manners and respect yourself? Absolutely. My um, father was a police officer. Um, my mom stayed home and raised all of us. She devoted her entire life to us, um, wow. you know, and uh, adopted eight of us. So I was adopted. Um, and wow. so, yeah, it's it, we were just taught to be respectful. We were taught to treat other people with respect. Um, and I learned a lot of love being from a big family i'm one of 13 so um so wait they had five kids and adopted eight more they did they did whoa (laughs) my mind is just being blown (laughs) so the amount of organization too that must have to (laughs) be in place to keep a household intact absolutely has to be insane i mean you you learned so many techniques then from your parents right yeah, I never really intended to have as many kids as we had. We just kind of enjoyed kids and, you know, they just kept coming. <laughs> wow. Okay, so so I'm even thinking back, though, to your childhood. I mean, even going back to that, you know, horrible incident that happened to you, why didn't you call one of your siblings? Why didn't you, you know, you called a cousin. So what happened in the family dynamic that felt like that needed to be kept separate or protected maybe? 
Um, I think it's probably because I'm closest to my younger siblings that are my age. So there's a wide age range of us. I mean, we go from 60 <laughs> down to, well, I think 65 down to like 30. Oh, wow. So it's a wide age range, you know. Um, that makes sense. And yeah. the closer ones are, we're still young and living at home with my mom and right issues like that. So it, it, Right. Okay. So, so you got a lot... Uh, you didn't realize it at the time that you would also be having a very large family, but I'm sure you picked up many incredible like foundation build. It just sounds like a really positive childhood. You know, it. I look back at my childhood and we have a lot of great memories. And, you know, we all got together just two nights ago at my house and laughed and laughed and laughed. I mean, it was, it's just good time when you're with them, you know, so... Um, I enjoy my siblings and I enjoy hanging out with them and their kids. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you meet your husband, you're 20. He comes back. Was it like, did it take you a while to <laughs> see him in a different way than, oh. you know, this rude dude who doesn't say please? <laughs> you know, he actually gave me his phone number that day and I stuck it in a book. He knew immediately, didn't he? Oh, he did. And I stuck it in a book and I lost the book. Oh, not even kidding. And <laughs> I happened to be cleaning the back office. It was probably six weeks later. And I found this book that somebody had stuck on a shelf and his phone number fell out. And so I said, Oh, I'll give him a call. And so I called him up and he totally remembered me as the craziest thing. And he said he had tried to come in and um, see me, but I never was working during the time. Um, and so he asked me if I wanted to go out and the rest is kind of history, you know? So you, um, academically and from a career perspective, you were not going to college, like you'd graduated high school, college wasn't happening? I went to college, but then, um, when life circumstances happened, I didn't return back to college. Got it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was working and I was actually going to school to become a medical assistant. Just tried to find something to mm -hmm. start over. You know? Yeah. So okay, so you got married young, and um, tell me about like the ride. You guys have been <laughs> married for over twenty years now. You know, it hasn't always been easy. I mean, it never is. It never is. Um, but he truly is, and has always been my best friend. Um, what loves does that me. mean? Tell me. You know, he he doesn't ever judge the thoughts that come through my head. He doesn't ever. Um, you know, tell me what I'm thinking is stupid. And, you know, so we've, we've had great times and we've had hard times losing both of our fathers. Um, you know, we've lost, we've had miscarriages. We've, you know, it, it, we've been through a lot together. Um, and so, yeah, just having that person there who just, he's the closest thing to unconditional love that I've ever met. Oh, wow. So he's, watched your journey your health journey and was he you know always supportive or did he give you little pushes to like hey let's let's work on some stuff or how does that dynamic work because that can be really tricky with spouses you know he has been nothing i mean with my career with my health journey with anything he's been nothing but super supportive um i've just any crazy idea I come up with, he just seems to kind of go along with it. <laughs> and I kind of come up with a lot of crazy ideas. Um, so, but yeah, he's never, he's never, if anything, 
he uses it as encouragement for him in his health journey and in his decision to become healthier. Yeah. So you talk about, or I, you didn't talk about this. I actually just started thinking, did you go through any like depression during the years? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, how, how did that manifest? Um, the biggest phase of depression that I struggled with was after the birth of my second child. Um, I gained a hundred pounds in a year after the, after I, after I had him and, you know, I look back and I'm like, why, you know, didn't somebody step in and say, what is going on? How can we help you? Um, we had bought a house out in the middle of nowhere. We had no support. We had no friends. Here I was 22 or 23 with two little babies. My husband was working all the time and he was gone. Um, and we didn't have any money, so I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't be involved in anything. You know, it was a very lonely, hard time, very lonely and hard. Um, and did you think you might've had some postpartum? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember just looking at him when he would cry and just being like, why can't you stop crying? (laughs) You know, it was very hard, hard time. Again, though, 20 years ago, nobody looked at Mm -mm. postpartum like they do now. You know, nobody looked at this being an actual thing. Right. It was sort of like, just let her get through it and snap out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And is that what happened? Um, I would say that I kind of carried a lot of, you know, I had my third um, and it was just easier. I don't know if I became more mature. I don't know really what happened. It was just easier. Um, And then, uh, you know, it just kind of became who I was and just you just did it but i continued to gain weight with every single delivery um so it was sort of incremental absolutely yeah and would and it wouldn't really come all the way off i'd lose maybe like 20 pounds after i'd have a baby and then like the baby and the water weight and all that yep Yep. and then it the rest would just stay and it was just kind of my new new set weight you know yes oh my gosh i totally understand because, you know, the crazy thing about babies and bodies, though, are that a lot of people like to think that they'll go back to their old body after baby. <laughs> and even with just one, you, there is no old body. Like, that body is an old body. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. So it will be a new body. Maybe your weight on the scale may be able to go to a place that it was, but your body will never oh, be Oh, it's same. so different. It's so different. It's very different. And, and we put pressure on ourselves Absolutely. to, you know, find these we, I guess, idealize these times in life when we were like, I want my body to be like it was when I was yeah. X, Y, or Z. Or you think you you expect perfection out of yourself. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, I, I know social media is great. I have social media accounts myself. But I think we forget that we're looking at everybody's highlight reels. Right. And we're not looking at their daily life. And that feeds into the... The mindset of I'm not good enough and I'm not, you know, I'm not a good enough mom or, you know, there's a lot of because we homeschool our kids. Um, so there's a lot of judgment for, I mean, everything under the sun, you know, back when it was you were nursing, well, you don't bottle feed. Oh, you breastfeed. Oh, you breastfeed too long. Oh, you breastfeed too short. Now it's, oh, your kids are homeschooled. They don't go to public school. But then 
homeschooled families frequently will judge public schooled families. And then people are judging for <laughs> charter schools. And, you know, and I just say, why can't we just realize that we're all just trying to do the best we can for our kids and supporting our kids and loving our kids? Um, I just don't think that there needs to be the judgment. Well, that's it. At the end of the day, we're all seeking the same thing, which Precisely. is happiness for ourselves and the people around us and the Absolutely. world around us. Like, Absolutely. No one that I know wants harm. Yeah, we, we don't choose to homeschool our kids to harm them. We don't choose to send our kids to public school to harm them. Or others. Or uh, Why yeah. are they judging? Because they're threatened? I, I don't know. And that's know. and so how does this judgment manifest? Like, what do you see? Do people say stuff to you? Oh, we've had we've had horrible comments. Um, and you know, I always think it's funny because you know the comments will frequently be, um, you know, why do you do that? Or you know, statements to that effect. But they love our family and our kids. Um, or we choose to enroll our kids in a one day enrichment school. Um, some of the comments are, you know, it's not real school if you're enrolled in this. You know, I'm sorry. My kids, they're good kids. I believe that they should be able to do these things if they make them happy and they enjoy it. And it's it's making their life more fuller and, yeah. you know, a better experience. So, Which makes the world a better place. Absolutely. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to start a hashtag, stop the judging. <laughs> <laughs> Judging sucks. I don't know. We'll come up with something. Um, you talk about faith. Yes. And what does that mean to you? Um, well, we're very, I mean, we're outright Christians. Um, I mean, you know, but I'm not a Bible-beating Christian. I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Um, my faith is very important to me. It's very important to my husband. Um, and we've raised our kids to have their own faith. Um, we've never, so they, they choose what direction they want to go? We think it's important for them to understand why they believe they the, the reasons that they believe that what they do. Um, we don't say God is the only answer for everything. We say, you know, this is why we lean on our, our faith. And I'll tell you, some of my kids have pulled me out of incredibly hard times. Um, you know, and how did they do that? They're kids. How did they pull <laughs> you know, mom out? <laughs> um, it, at times when, you know, you're sitting there and like I said, we have frank conversations with our kids and, um, my 14 year old son said to me, he goes, maybe this is God trying to encourage us. And maybe God has done this for a reason. And, um, just having him be able to verbalize his faith and why God does the things that he does in our lives um has been such an encouragement to me so um you know we just raise them with foundational principles and then we kind of as they get older say it, it is your decision ultimately because if i try to force them to have a certain faith you and i both know you can't force a 19 year old to believe a certain way yeah that's you know? true they're they're adults they can believe what they want they can go the direction they want and so we just try to support and love and have a lot of discussions and talk about things you know what i think happens to parents we forget that we were kids Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we forget. Because we sit there and we look at them and we're like, okay, st this stage, they don't have any teeth. Like front teeth are gone or they're losing their teeth. And we look at them and we're like, I don't know how anybody ever survived eating <laughs> while they had no teeth. And then you're like, wait a minute, I was a kid one day. I survived that. I don't know why you can't, 
you know, use logic to why I can't use logic with you to help you understand why you should pick up all your Legos. Oh, because I was also six and I did not listen to logic or understand it either at that time. It even gets better when they're teenagers. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) The the arguments and justifications, right? Well, it's always, I mean, one of them in particular always has a reason why and always has thoughts and we try to listen to them, but then we try to say, you know, even though you feel this way and I respect how you feel, this is really the way that it has to go because well, I'm still your parent, you know? Right. I'm sorry you don't like algebra, but you still have to do algebra. <laughs> Which is why um, believing and trusting and respecting authority is important. Absolutely. And you have to give them, they have to know that that is basically a foundational rule. Yes. Or if they don't, if they don't trust you with the, the little things through their life, when it becomes the big things, when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. they won't trust you with anything. Wow. You know, and um, we're just very fortunate that they do wow. trust us. Yeah. Um, I mean, are sex and drugs already happening in high school and middle school and all that? <laughs> middle school, uh, absolutely. We know about high school, but middle school. Yeah. Wow. And it's amazing that you could create such an open door that your kids would feel comfortable coming and talking to you because like you said and i was in the same boat as you maybe it's generational we just didn't share that personal oh, no. stuff no not until we, we did were not i mean we did not talk about sex in my house my mom kind of gave us a book oh yeah here's the your body, book the changing body <laughs> yeah, that's book, exactly whatever that one was <laughs> yeah we all had that wow oh my gosh um you know i want to talk a little bit about the program running start which i'm assuming was one piece of different life changes that are different catalysts that help you change your life or maybe it was the thing that helped I think you it really life. gave me the the confidence that I can change my life so you go on the first quarter mile walk it was terrible it was terrible <laughs> it sucked yeah. did it make you say should I drop out right now oh you know absolutely it did <laughs> it made me want to go back home and be like how am I gonna walk a 5k like <laughs> Much less be able to do this. But what made you keep going then? It was a 12-week program. It's not a lot of time. So it had to seem a little bit insurmountable. It did. Um, But really, just Lisa reaching out and just loving me. You know, hey, I don't care how slow you go. I will never judge you. I will never, you know, say anything to anybody else about how slow you are she goes i'm just here to help you and be a support for you awesome and so there people listening there is power in supporting others absolutely you see someone who looks like they might be struggling even just a freaking smile so that that positive energy comes out i can't tell you how many people um would see me at the gym and you know i'd have of course the one guy who you know told me that i was too slow and that i needed to get off the track um (laughs) i know how do you respond i didn't i went into the bathroom and cried instead (laughs) um i hate that guy mad at him (laughs) but you know it, it was the other people at the gym who they you know they saw that i didn't quit and they saw me come day after day. I worked out seven days a week just walking a track. And it started with, you know, two laps around the track, then three laps around the track. And before long, I was actually able to walk a mile. Um, and that was like, 
Huge. I mean, it was a 27-minute mile. Don't don't be confused. I wasn't like setting world records, but um, you know, just just the confidence in being able to know that how far I'd come in such a short time. Confidence. And I just kept going. I just kept going. Confidence leads to more confidence. Absolutely. It's a, a little thing I call momentum. Yeah. You know, so when you don't give up, and even when the naysayers hit, that guy, he probably doesn't remember that conversation. And it was so hurtful. Yeah. Sucks. We need to think about the things we say. I mean, what if he didn't mean it? Yeah, he meant it. That was a rude thing to say no matter what. <laughs> Sometimes you say things that you don't realize are hurtful, yeah. you know? We need to be cognizant of what comes out of our mouths. I mean, if he had known that you went in the bathroom and cried, he should be mortified. Should be. Yeah, should be. Should be. All right. But what it also did was motivate you. <laughs> so at the same time, no, we're not giving anybody kudos for anything negative. But the point is, you kept going. Yeah. So you finish a 5K. I did. It I was did. amazing. And watching your family there, like those photos... <laughs> I mean, we still, we post a lot of photos um, to promote Running Start, and there's one of your kids holding a sign. Yeah. I forget what it said. It said, Our Hero. Oh, that's it. Um, and there's a huge heart on it. Yeah. I remember that. Um, and that is how they feel, don't they? You know, I think that this fitness journey has changed all of their lives. Um, my oldest son, my 17-year-old son, was one of the, actually the biggest supporters of this um he would get me up to go to the gym every single morning with him and he i mean 16 years old at the time would go to the gym with his mom every single morning and never missed a day always got me out of bed when i was tired and when i didn't want to go um and he never he never gave up on me um sorry makes me emotional again oh, of course <laughs> um but, you know, it changed our whole family's life. We all have started eating healthier. Um, and just taking those steps together, like going for a family walk, I wouldn't have been able to walk maybe like a half a mile before. But now we can go for a couple miles. We can go for hikes on the mountains where I wasn't able to do that before. Um, you know, the different ways that my life has changed since then have been insane. But like we never flew on airplanes never flew because I was petrified of what people would say, the comments. I mean, you read the stuff all over social media that people say about overweight people being on airplanes. Um, since just last a year ago, I've flown on an airplane three times. Um, you know, so it's, it's those little things that are just creating better lives for our kids um, and my kids all work out and my 19 year old daughter now goes to core training with me three days a week and we die together and can hardly move the next day so <laughs> you know it's been it's had a ripple effect absolutely in a huge way absolutely so it's like a fire was lit that helped you create a new priority because it wasn't a priority at all no it wasn't like it was a priority that was low it just didn't exist yet but you created it and when you create something new in your life that's already filled and overflowing with seven kids and a career and you know managing a household and so many things going on how do you make it fit you know i know that i was the biggest excuse maker i don't have time 
Um, and that's what everybody says. How do you fit in the time? And it is a priority. It's not a, It's not anything that's negotiable anymore um, because I want to be here. I want to be here for my kids, my grandkids. I want to be able to play with them and, um, you know, be able to go on trips with my grandkids, um, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. And another 15 years, that's how old my sister was when she passed. And I look at that as kind of a time clock. And I know, I know that I have to do this and that, that it's just not anything that's negotiable anymore. Well, and here's the other thing. It's not like the TV shows where people lose like hundreds of pounds in months. No, no, and no, then, no. It's very slow. It's very gradual. Um, I've lost 65 pounds, um, but I still work out amazing. with people that are 200 pounds lighter amazing. than me, but I still go. Um, I sweat horribly and I nearly die, um, <laughs> but I still do it. Um, and I know that the weight will come off slow, but it's coming off in a healthy fashion because I don't want it to come back. That's the difference. That's the key. It's a life change, not a temporary fix. Absolutely. It's not a fad. It's not a, I'm not in this for a fad. I'm not in this for a yo-yo diet. I'm not, you know, it's just, this is my new life. And my new life now has my activity level where, I mean, I used to get like 1500 steps a day, like mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. Now, like I always, I have my little, you know, I watch and I always close my rings or at least try to, um, you know, and that's a goal now of burning X amount of calories, you know, getting X amount of steps and fitness. It's, it's just part of our life now. It's like you've become competitive with yourself. It's kind of a fun little competition. <laughs> Anybody who knows me will know that I'm a naturally competitive person. Um, I'm, I'm very motivated and driven. I just needed to have, I guess, people who just supported me and believed in me um, who were on the same path. I guess, you know, um, I, I keep hearing, you know, the people you surround yourself with, um, while that's your family, I I think I needed that extra ring of support and the women I went through the running start program with were amazing. And we had like a little Facebook group and it was just such an encouragement to be together Mm -hmm. and do this together and graduate together and still check in on each other's lives on Facebook and Instagram and, um, just connect with them and let them know that, you know, hey, I'm still here and I still care about you and I still believe, you know, wherever you're going with your life that I'm still here for you. You know, are you living the life you want now? I think that there's still more things I'd like to change. What are they? Um, Probably being able to one day actually run a 5K would be huge. Um, so like continuing your progression with the fitness absolutely. journey. Okay. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, uh, I'm just, I, I guess I can't really put a finger on what I want to do different. Um, but I know that the future is, is good. You know, that there, whereas before I kind of just felt like it was, it was hard and it was lonely. You know, now yeah. I just know that there's support and there's people. Like if I ever get discouraged, I've got a whole ring of people I can contact and talk to and say, hey, I'm really struggling. Like, I mean, I was struggling with um, 
shin issues with for so long. It was like two weeks of just pain and I finally couldn't walk anymore. And I was, I messaged Lisa and I'm like, what is going on? What have I done? What do I need to do? And she's like, bring me your shoes. And apparently, (laughs) because I am not a runner, you know, I don't know. She's like, you need new shoes. Like you've worn out the soles. There's nothing left on your shoes. You need to go get new ones. And she took, I mean, she legitimately went with me to go get new shoes because I was petrified walking in there too. Um, And got a new pair of shoes and got right back out on it. It took a about two or three days for my shins to feel better. Um, you know, so it's those things. Yeah, it's that yeah. community of of women who um, you look at this group and you say, I can never be one of them. But I'll tell you, you are one of them. If you just have like love and compassion and you care about each other, you're one of these women. It doesn't matter how fast you run. It doesn't matter how slow you walk. Um, if you walk really slow, you can hang out in the back with me. <laughs> Um, but that's what this community is about. That's an awesome quote. (laughs) I think a lot of people think that they see people and make assumptions or they see a group of people and make assumptions and they think, I, I kind of want to be part of that, but I never could. Absolutely. Is that, you know, I'm thinking about the people listening who may find themselves stuck or maybe relating to a part of your journey, whether it's health issues or forgetting themselves or, you know, shame and leaving themselves behind. What advice do you have for them? To not give up. Yeah. Um, Reach out to me personally. I will... I will walk. I'll probably even be slower than you. <laughs> um, I will connect you with people who will support you um, and love you where you are. Because, I mean, this world, it can be very overwhelming and very lonely. Yeah. Know? And how weird to think you're lonely when you grew up with 13 siblings <laughs> and you have seven kids in this amazing family, but we can still find ourselves alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. We're coming down to the end here. We didn't even talk about the cool stuff you're doing now as part of this, part of your journey. What's really special about you is that it's not all about you. You're giving back now. Yeah. I mean, when you called me a while ago and we talked and and you said, I really want to do more for Running Start. It's like you had, it had taken some time and really sunken in that you have made some life change and you were feeling this new you coming out, right? Absolutely. And I know you said, I want to pay it back and help other people feel that. So you're giving us a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that I use this word momentum with you because I feel like when one part of your life starts to really go on the upswing, other parts follow. It's amazing. Your real estate business is just going off the hook. It is. It is. I have been so blessed by the people that have been in my life um, that have chosen me to work with them. Um, and for every real estate transaction that I've had um, in the later part of this year, I'm donating $500 back to the Running Start program. Um, She's doing a lot of them. <laughs> like <laughs> We have an obligation to grow the program no matter what because we want to. But now, with all this amazing sponsorship money coming in, um, we are going to grow this program next year in a huge way. Yeah. And you know what's really cool is this podcast is coming out about five days before the next graduation race of our Fort Collins and Loveland program. Yeah. So that's going to happen on Saturday the 29th. So if you're listening in your local, come out to the Rodell Vanilla Day 5K. Are you coming? 
I believe I am. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just haven't registered yet. Ah, I know. Me either. Wait, I'm going to be at the booth. I'm going to be like helping, supporting, and cheering. That's my role in this organization. You get out there and like walk it with them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's so cool. Um, so, Beth, this is just such an honor to be sitting here with you, really. I mean, I know you were scared to death to come in here and be open and be vulnerable and I believe that by doing so, you are you are helping people. Well, my my whole goal in coming here um, is to just let other people know that they're not alone. You know that you can you can change your life. You really can. Um, and you know this program, or if you see those groups of women out there running, like don't be afraid to say hi because they'll welcome you with open arms. I'm they just will. telling you. They they love everybody and they're happy to have anybody, even if you think that you're too heavy to walk or too slow to walk or that, you know, you'll make a fool of yourself. They'll love you for who you are. I love you for who you are. <laughs> well, let's wrap it with the question I ask everyone who comes on the show, which is if you can leave our guests with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? I guess for me, the biggest thing I would encourage you with is to believe in yourself. I mean, really, that's that's the biggest thing is to believe you can, believe in yourself and believe in your community. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm back. Um, Beth is one of the most genuine people I've ever known, and I'm sure you got that same feeling from this interview. Um, I learned some things today about her that I didn't know before, and I know it was very hard for her to open up, and I'm just so grateful for her vulnerability. I would not have predicted when I met her that one day so long ago that I would be interviewing her for my podcast and that she would be helping so many others who don't believe they can change their lives. I mean, just look at her. Her message to you is this, you can change your life and it starts with believing in yourself. <sighs> so to get some of that good Beth I don't know, energy force. To reach her, you can literally just find her on Facebook. Just search Beth Shields. There is a link in the show notes. Or go to her Instagram. Her handle is Beth Shields Realtor. You can send her a direct message. If you reach out, she will be there for you. And let's commit right now to stop the judging. I love this new slogan. Hashtag it. Stop the judging. Did you hear what she said about her husband? He's her best friend because he never judges her no matter what is going through her head. He's just there for her. No judgment. And that's when the magic happens, when we create a world of no judgment where we love and support each other's journeys. And finally, don't forget about Beth. If you're moving here to Colorado or leaving, but I hope you don't leave, um, if you work with her, you help other women who so deeply need support. It's really cool. And it doesn't cost you anything more than it would cost to work with any realtor. So why not work with Beth? I will leave you th with uh, this one thought from Beth. You need to become your own non-negotiable priority. You are valuable and you are worth it. 
Okay then, everyone, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.